some of the best learnings are going to come from the toughest, you know, situations. And you may not like it and, you know, put your head down, work through it. You're going to be a better person for it. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast, where IT and digital leaders from around the world talk about their careers, their inspiration, and their vision for the future of digital business. I'm your host, David Wright. The world of digital business is evolving faster than ever, and I want this to be a place where digital business champions create a village to band together and help each other navigate the ever-changing terrain. Disruptive Innovators features conversations with CIOs and digital leaders from around the world, diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader, real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good afternoon, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. And today, this afternoon on the East Coast and this morning on the West, I am lucky enough to be joined by Josh Good. Josh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, David, for having me uh, here today. Now, I can tell by your background for those looking at the video portion of this, but to those of our listeners who may not know, can you tell everyone a little bit about your current role? I'm CIO of Scan Group and Health Plan. You have been CIO coming up on 10 years here, which has really gone by pretty fast or what, but a little bit about Scan too. We're a Medicare Advantage plan, originally solely based in California been in business 45 plus years and have been with our new CEO, Sachin Jane, growing aggressively or what. So we've expanded into a number of states and pretty exciting integration we're going to be doing with Care Oregon coming up under the brand name of HealthRight Group here, waiting on regulatory approval, we hope by end of the year, early next year, and getting into the Medicaid line of business. Two great high-performing companies will be coming together, something that we're really excited about. Yeah, super excited. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing more about what you guys are up to. And those of us in the healthcare industry are well aware of SCAN and everything that you guys have done over the years. So it's, a again, a pleasure to have you on. Josh, we like to start every episode with just one piece of actionable advice you might look to leave everyone with today. For me, if I think about from a, my role perspective, piece of advice, and as a CIO, and I've got a pretty extensive network and I like to mentor some of the newer CIOs. And you know, you hear a lot about technology, modernization, digitalization, and I've got a number of friends that will come to me, hey, I've got this budget. I'm going to be doing this over the next two, three years. And you know, I like to reframe the conversation and have them think about modernization as a journey. And you'll hear me talk about it more later on or what, but 
Technology is evolving so fast. I mean, who would have known two years ago the advances in AI, the gen AI revolution that's going on right now? But I talked to him about, about, don't look at it as a point in time. Think about this as a journey. Think about platforms as a service, things that we can continue to build upon, even use the, the terminology. Think about build your Lego box because technology is going to be evolving so fast. This is not a two-year thing you're going to do and put it on the shelf and you're going to be done with it. It's a continuous journey that you're going to be on. Yeah, that's great advice. And... It makes sense to me. I was talking with Lee Milligan out in Arizona a couple of weeks ago about the fact that, you know, a lot of folks aren't even doing a roadmap past one year because they used to do these three to five year roadmaps, initiatives that you're planning for that far in advance, like it may be obsolete by that time. Right. So I totally appreciate what you're saying about that. Well, and to that point, just last year, our roadmap had always been a three-year lookout and three and a half year lookout based on the timing of when we do our roadmaps. And we cut it to two and a half years last year. It's evolving so fast. You still need to have that longer term view, but you know, it's hard to project now three years, what you're going to need to do, unless you got a renewal or something like that coming up. It's really hard to plan three years out at this point or what, which is exciting and challenging at the same time. So, yeah, of course. And another thing just, it makes me think of quickly, I met Cletus Earl on a panel like a year and a half ago, and we were talking about just an EHR like rollout, right? And the fact that with a platform like an EHR, you've never just arrived, right? Like you're constantly kind of iterating and developing. And it just makes me think of what you're saying. Josh, let's talk a little bit about your backstory. You mentioned you've been at SCAN for 10 years, but you know, how did you start out and how did you get to be the CIO of one of the more renowned health plans in, in the country? I'd like to say I had a well-scripted, thought-out plan to getting to where I did, where I'm at today or what, but part of it was scripted and part of it was things I found along the way or what. So if I go back to college, I actually started out as pre-bat and about my sophomore year ended up converting over into business management, computer science. And when I graduated, dating myself here a little bit, but I actually joined Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture. And I'm probably a rare individual on a 25 plus year career where I've literally had two jobs. So I was at Accenture for 17 years, been at Scan coming up on 10 years, as I mentioned earlier, What? but I yeah, really fell into healthcare. So as you think about Accenture consulting environment, starting at lowest level, you come in and then they assign you to an industry. You didn't have the option to choose an industry. And I got lived in Denver at the time and pulled into a healthcare engagement, Pacificare, which was a large health plan based out of, you know, Southern California. And Accenture had a really large engagement there. And I started very bottom, dating myself again as a COBOL developer. Yeah, I was there for a number of years, six, seven, eight years. And yeah, eventually worked my way up to being the technology lead of that engagement. And from there, really kind of worked across Accenture and moved into technology strategy consulting, a lot of focus on system integrations, mergers and acquisitions. And really, as the saying goes, I started at the bottom as a COBOL developer and worked my way all the way up to being an overall technology lead. And then 
Scan, yeah, as I said, came calling and yeah, exciting journey at Scan. When I came to Scan 10 years ago, really a turnaround situation. Scan was struggling a little bit at the time from an operational compliance standpoint. And when you look at our digital ecosystem, then it was really outdated. I mean, I like to tell the story, our core admin system was written in a programming language called RPG, which predates COBOL. <laughs> so yeah, I, I couldn't even find developers for the platform. So we, in, in really every application platform we had, most of them were outdated, hadn't been upgraded in years. So we had to go through and spend, yeah, probably about, roughly about five or six years replacing all of our applications, cloud enabling the organization or what. So it's been quite the journey. And the last several years, it's been a very exciting journey with Sachin coming in and really reinventing Scan. We turned around the company from 10 years ago where we've been a operational leader in the Medicare Advantage industry. You look at our benchmarks, our metrics, even though we're regional, we have a national reputation based on our service and operational excellence. And with Sachin coming in over the last several years, we've really kind of reinvented the company. We've taken that base and we're now growing into a national care. And you heard me talk about health right group earlier, expanding to new states organically and then inorganically doing these combinations with great companies like Care Oregon. Really exciting journey through my career to get to this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I feel like we've had a couple of legacy Anderson guys and gals on the podcast before. So it's kind of cool. And I always say that when you come from that background and then come to the sea level, I just think it gives you a unique perspective having seen not just Pacific, but like the multiple different types of organizations, different types of situations. I just having that kind of dual threat background, I think just makes you that much more dangerous as a CIO. Yeah, I, I would agree. There, there's a lot of consulting principles that I bring to my job or what that, that really, what I attribute to my success is that and I often tell people coming out of school, if you have the opportunity to work with one of the large consulting firms, it's an invaluable experience. I mean, just the exposure you get and the opportunity to build a network is just, it's an invaluable experience. Right. Learning those frameworks. I mean, when I started disruptive innovations, I had to kind of go out and piece it all together. I kind of wish I would have started at one of the big four before I broke out on my own, but you know, we got it together over the years. Actually, Josh, that brings me to my next question. Well, what would you say is one of the most important things that you've learned over the course of your journey through Anderson, Accenture, SCAN, personally or professionally? And what was life like before learning it and after learning it? Probably a couple of things there. I mean, one, when I think about, and this is something I would say a lot to folks I would mentor when I was at Anderson Accenture or what, where you look at the nature of the work, you're going in, you're doing project-based work, you're going into different situations or what, and sometimes those situations are not the best. I mean, you can go into some really rough situations, tough clients, and I would always coach people on show up and do your best, no matter what the situation is. And there were some lessons I, I learned along the way where, you know, and I always took that mindset or what, and I had some pretty rough engagements. I was viewed as a turnaround guy at Accenture. So I was, when a project was going sideways with one of their large, what they call a diamond clients, yeah, I get parachuted in and these were tough, very difficult situations and all that. And 
you know, you got to remain positive. And part of my feedback I would give people is you never know who you're going to impress and you never know what you're going to learn through that situation. And some of the best learnings are going to come from the toughest, you know, situations. And you may not like it and clear your head down, work through it. You're going to be a better person for it on the other side. And you would be surprised. You would see a lot of people or not a lot of people, but there was a percentage of people that they get in these tough situations and they're hitting the eject button. They want to get out. They, hey, roll me off, get me out of here. Instead of trying to push through and build their career and try to do better or what. And those that push through it, you would see them accelerate or what. So, I mean, that would be part of my advice. Another thing that, that's probably more personal in me is I'm always focused in on Continuous learning and growth. For me, yeah, I have to be stimulated, challenged. I have to be learning. Yeah, I can't be bored or what. I'm not a more of a build guy. I can't just run something that's already built and you know, keep it operational or what. I mean, I'm probably one of the rare individuals. I actually am a long way off from retiring or what, not even thinking about that, but I, it terrifies me to think about like retirement. I don't know what I would do. I mean, like I can't, I couldn't go to college and just to me, that wouldn't be stimulating enough from of a learning experience or what. But for me, I wake up every day and I look to what can I learn? How can I grow or what? And having a job that reinforces that mindset, I mean, I think is just invite. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you said a lot there. One of the things it brings up for me is learning to sit through discomfort, right? What a talent really that is, or it's a learned behavior to be able to, like you said, kind of drop into uncomfortable situations. There's going to be uncomfortable situations and I can either, like you said, kind of run away or I can learn to just kind of sit through it. And my experience has shown me I'm going to be on the other side of it eventually. It also brings up the, the fact that you said kind of what I heard was you give it your all. And there's been lots of situations where I've given it my all. And because of factors outside of my control, things haven't gone the way that I wanted. And I can't beat myself up about that, right? I can keep bring that perspective into the next situation or that I encounter, but I, I need to continuously measure myself by the effort I put in and not necessarily the outcome. I mean, outcomes are important to a certain extent, of course, but the learnings that I take away from a situation, if things outside my control do take it a different direction, right? Well, and the reward on the other side for me is the thing that, you know, the feeling it's irreplaceable or what, and then the experience and the learnings from that. The other thing I've seen as well, too, especially when you're working with these large corporations, pushing through that, the visibility it creates from a personal networking standpoint. If the other executives you're working with a client and within a firm like an, an Accenture or what, as they would see that, but really, if you could survive that and push through that and turn around that situation and really build your career. And for me, it's been part of my success story and you know, what's led me to a, a great organization and a role I can have today with Scam. I love that. Josh, is there a time that sticks out in your mind that you had a project that didn't go your way or a time that you failed, but you ultimately took away a profound lesson from that instance. 
Yeah, I mean, one of them was, it was actually the launch of Medicare Advantage and parachuted into a really tough situation. Yeah, technology literally left the week before our go live quit, just walked out. Really challenging situation. And yeah, I was asked to pack for three days and I didn't go home for three weeks. This is before I had a wife and kids or what. And we literally were working 18 to 20 hour days. And this went on for probably six months. And, you know, a lot of valuable lessons. I mean, we turned it around, but I, I learned a lot about, and I was young in my career. I probably went from managing five people and there was a senior resource executive that put faith in me and parachuted me into the situation where I was all of a sudden managing a hundred to 150 people. And it was a valuable lesson for me in how to treat people or what. I was young and hungry in my career, very focused in on work. And we literally were working 18 to 20 hour days. And like I said, we got, th- got things turned around, but I burned out a lot of people. And I, I actually had one individual, we would work until we had teams worldwide and managing around the clock. And we had a routine. We would work all night and we would go back at the hotel at 10 or 11 in the morning, go sleep till about three. And then we would start the cycle again. And I had one of my employees that actually fell asleep. I was here in California on the 405 and had a wreck. And luckily they were fine or what, but it really, yeah, it really was eye-opening to me about you got to maintain your business goal and your focus or what, but you got to think about the people as well. And, and people are what really make you successful and you got to manage the team for the marathon. It's not just, not just a sprint or what. So. Wow. Yeah. That's impactful. Thanks for sharing that, Josh. So I want to get into some of the work that you're getting into now, Josh, before we do, I always just like to ask favorite book or literary piece as a, a constant learner. I'm sure you have one either all time or that you've been reading recently, your choice. All time. I mean, from a business perspective, there's a book, the Phoenix project. I mean, it's pretty popular out there about IT modernization, DevOps. And yeah, I really like that book. I mean, I've given it out to my staff many times or what. So I'm actually reading, I mean, it has nothing to do with business kind of, kind of corny to, to say, but I'm reading a really good book. I'm an outdoors guy or what. I'm reading this book, The Mountain Between Us right now. It's about a plane crash of two individuals in the mountains of Utah and their survival story. It's actually a really great book. Really. It's one of those page turners. I just started and I'm deep into it or what. So, but nothing to do about business or what, but a good kind of personal story, especially if you like outdoors and that lifestyle or what. Yeah. No, it's good to have books like that. And the Phoenix Project, I mean, it's one of my favorite business IT books. I've given it out. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast over the course of our lifespan, at least a handful of times. So cool that you brought that up. I think it's applicable to more than just DevOps too. Like the, they're DevOps principles, but when you think I, when I, when we're working with clients, I kind of think about the three ways as we're, you know, doing everything that we're doing from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, a lot of people think about it from a software engineering standpoint, but you can apply that to just your daily life. I mean, some of the principles you can gather from that around program project management, software engineering, it it applies to your daily life. So Josh, let's talk about Skin. You have this upcoming merger. 
pending. Talk to us a little bit about your vision for IT and digital as it's derived from your overall mission and maybe even some of the key initiatives that you're focused on right now. Yeah, so SCAN, what is front and center for us is our member. And it's really what we've built our reputation on is having that service experience, operational excellence in everything we do, really gravitating and revolving around our member. And, and as I look at our role as a you know, payer in the healthcare ecosystem, it's really our job to, and my job as a CIO, to bring technologies to bear to service all of our constituents, but in particular, our members. And when you look at the healthcare system, I mean, it's a very complex, you could consider it a broken system. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there to simplify and, and drive a better experience. I mean, you often hear people talk about in healthcare, we want to bring a retail-like experience, which I agree with. We want to simplify and make it easier, but it's not easy to do in healthcare. And you hear healthcare is behind and it's, it's not from a lack of funding and effort that we're behind. It's the complexity of the industry that has made it that much harder for us to innovate and really drive a seamless integrated experience for our members in particular. So for me, we're really focused in on that. How do we drive a better experience? I actually own consumer experience. It's within the IT organization, which you don't always see from an organizational design perspective, but our thought process on that is IT is at really the center of everything we do. And we want to make sure that we're bringing a consistent consumer experience across all the different areas of the organization or what. So we show up from an IT perspective with that mentality. How do we always thinking about our member in how do we continue to drive the best experience from a digital experience as well as just a engaging with our contact center agents or whomever. How do we make sure we drive that best experience and from the, the digital touch points all the way down to the operations or what? And to me, it's really, as I was saying earlier, moral imperative of us as a payer to be at the center of this digital ecosystem that we're able to help our members navigate it in a simplified way in, in leveraging things like data. I mean, I think we should be a day as a peer, we should be leveraging the data where we've got more data than anyone else in the health ecosystem. How do we bring all that data together? How do we leverage it to drive a personalized experience or what, whether it's from how we service our members or treat them as a patient? So for me, it's really continuing to evolve our role within that health ecosystem and then leveraging technology to do it or what I big fan, really excited about generative AI through the years. I mean, we've seen a lot of new technologies that have come up or what, and blockchain's a good example, which I big believer in the blockchain technology, but when you look at it, it takes a whole industry to adopt it, to really drive change or what, and you haven't really seen it materialize across healthcare or what, but. When I look at generative AI, this is here, it's now, it's within my control. I don't need the entire industry to align to this technology for me to be able to leverage it or what. So to your question around initiatives, I mean, we've got a number of initiatives that are focused in on how do we leverage generative AI to 
simplify healthcare. There's things that this technology can do that traditional technologies can do. So how do we bring that to bear to make a better experience for a member? So we got a lot of things going on around that. And then you always talk about, we got to spend a portion of our time innovating, but we always got the table stakes we have to do. There's a lot of stuff, making sure we're enrolling our members correctly. We're paying our claims correctly. We're staying compliant. I mean, we're getting the right letters out and bringing those capabilities to bear. If you don't do the foundational things right, you don't have time and you and you shouldn't be you know, spending as much time innovating if you're not doing those foundational things right. So for me, it's a balance of those two things. So we got a lot of exciting initiatives going around both. Super cool. Are you guys looking at internal use cases for generative AI first, kind of how those large language models might be able to serve your contact center agents, for example, or are you looking at consumer facing use cases first? Just curious. Yeah. I mean, across the board, I mean, one of the kind of blessings of being a CIO and, and one of the, the curses of being a CIO, I support everybody. So I can't go too deep in, in one area because I've got you know, executives and constituents across the board. So my contact center, we're looking at technologies there, but really my clinical teams are looking at it there. My operational teams, my sales marketing teams. I mean, we've got a balanced strategy that, you know, and, and we have to prioritize things and try to keep it balanced across each of these different areas or what. And then from a delivery perspective, we are looking at internal and external solutions or what. So we do have a machine learning platform that we leverage. And then there are some external solutions we're looking at. I mean, and unfortunately there's some point solutions that you do need to engage in. We've got some of these larger platforms and when you look at their app stores, they've got integrated solutions that it doesn't make sense from a economical standpoint for me to try to go replicate and build those solutions or what. So across the board, we've got a balanced strategy and then we're leveraging some point solutions, some platform solutions, and then we're doing the internal development around this as well. So what about some of the biggest challenges that are facing SCAN right now, Josh, as an organization? This is not unique to SCAN, but if you look across the Medicare industry, there are some challenges facing the Medicare industry. The five-star kind of rules of the game, so to speak, are getting more and more challenging, but say never-ending treadmill, as our head of five-star likes to say or what. And then the final rate notice, we've had some rate cuts that are coming across the MA industry. So how do you balance those pressures against, when you look at SCAN, we are, you know, and I give credit to Sachin Jane, our relatively new CIO, our CEO, he's been here three years or what, we're, you know, like to refer to ourselves as a hyper growth organization. I mean, we are growing in a lot of different areas. We're growing, expanding nationally. We've launched a number of clinical ventures, which you could think of as clinical startups. And then we are preparing for the combination with Care Oregon under Health Right Group. So for me personally, my biggest challenge is how do I balance all those priorities, even down to what we talked about with generative AI? How do I make sure I'm doing the foundational things? Information security, obviously, always top of mind. And then technology is evolving quickly. How do I make sure I'm bringing those new technologies to the organization to drive business value? And then also managing all the growth and the expansions that we have. Or So 
A lot of balls in the air, but for me, I kind of, to the earlier point, I take it on as a challenge and it's, I wouldn't want any other way. I, I do my best work when my hair is on fire and my team follows suit there. I love it. So we've, we've actually already talked about some of the best practices that you picked up over time, Josh, but any other best practices that you might talk to our fellow CIO colleagues about that, that you follow as you're advising your team? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's some of the points that I touched on earlier. So when I think about kind of CIOs, and I do a lot of mentoring for new CIOs, one of the things that I just touched on it briefly earlier is really develop a network and lean on that network. And when you look at it, we're all dealing with the same challenges, same issues. I mean, even when you look at things back 10 or 20 years, the technology has changed. Some of the operating processes, procedures have changed, but you know, at the end of the day, we're still dealing with the same kind of fundamental challenges and issues. And when you have a network, you can really rely upon and you can lean upon. You can understand what other decisions were made by these individuals in your network and what did they learn from it or what? So you don't make the same mistakes. To me, that's been very invaluable. I mean, I've got a very large network. I reach out to them often and I really lean into them. And yeah, I mean, it's just been an invaluable experience. I mean, one of them I was giving credit to here recently, we had launched a, going back to the generative AI conversation, we launched about six months ago, a emerging technologies operating model. And we did it in response to generative AI. And I was speaking at a Ivana Gardner conference about it. And someone asked me, why do you not name it a generative AI or an AI operating model? Everybody else said. And I got feedback from a mentor of mine, a guy, Jim Rinaldi, he was former CIO of NASA for a long time, or why he's retired now. But Jim mentioned to me is, hey, I would rename it because in two years, there's going to be a new technology that we're still going to be doing Gen AI stuff, but it's going to replace generative AI. And then you're going to be renaming your operating model. Now I told Jim, Hey, that's why I reach out to call you. <laughs> but I mean, just having mentors like that, it's just invite. I totally agree. I mean, I have mentors, I have mentees, and I'll tell you that the experience that I've been able to garner from building a network of executives, guys like yourself who have been at this for 30 years, even the experience that I garner over the course of an hour of in pre-production, post-production has just been tremendous, right? So I think that's a great best practice. And I think that sometime as a extroverted introvert, or I forget it, introverted extrovert, whatever it is, I mean, like as a techie, it's not necessarily my business coach had to push me into doing a, a podcast. I was like, I don't want to hear myself talk, but it's the best thing that I ever did in business. Definitely one of them. So there's so much to learn from them. I mean, these individuals have made these decisions. They've been through a lot of these challenges before. It's invaluable or what? So and David, I'm only 26 or 27 years of my career. Don't age me too much. I got the gray hairs. Don't age me too I, much. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. You're only showing with 30 years experience, but we'll note 25. There we go. <laughs> few last questions for you here, Josh. One would be, where do you see the healthcare industry going in the future with the understanding you don't have a crystal ball and or what do you think will be some of the biggest changes as time passes? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Yeah, so when I look at the healthcare ecosystem, I think you will see over time a convergence of payers and more of the health systems, the clinical side. You know, I think you'll see those start bleeding together more and more. And it's something from a scan perspective that it's been on our radar. And yeah, I, I still think this is five to you know, 10 plus years out. You know, I obviously do think there is a very critical role that payer organizations play within the digital ecosystem. And I think that you are just going to see a convergence over time. And the one thing I, I hope you do see over the next five to 10 years is that much like scan, we're a not-for-profit regional health plan. We cap our margins, very low margin. Anything over that cap, we reinvest into benefits for our members. So we have a different mentality, some of the larger for-profit payers or what. So I hope that, and we're a little bit in survival mode when you look at the not-for-profits across the country. Obviously, Scan, we're a very healthy position and all that, but I do hope that you do not see healthcare turning into a for-profit only driven model. I mean, I think there's a very valuable, critical role that not-for-profits play in the ecosystem or what. And then from a technology standpoint, I touched on AI. I, I think AI, generative AI, is really kind of we're at a pivotal point. I mean, to me, it's going to be revolutionary. I think it's going to have big changes to the industry. It's going to allow us to do things we couldn't do you know, before. I mean, you think back about some of the big points in time and history, the birthing of the internet, even like outsourcing, how outsourcing changed business. I mean, I think this is going to be one of those pivotal changes in history. And for me, I'm hoping that the technology is used in a practical and ethical manner where we can drive out some of the complexity in the system. I mean, the healthcare ecosystem is too challenging, is too complex these days. We, we got to find a way to leverage technology to make it simpler and a better experience for our members, our patients. Yeah. Yeah. I like that future for sure. And I like what you said about the nonprofit sector, because I see what private equity and some of these other for-profit businesses can do to healthcare. And I don't love it. Not all the time, but profit at the expense of the patient or the member doesn't sit right with me. It's great to see what you guys are doing. That's to say. So Josh, last question for you would just be, if you could go back five, 10, 15 years in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I would go back to some of the points I think I made earlier. When we talked about it, I think you, you had a good perspective on it as well. We're really remaining positive. I'm a very optimistic person and to me, it's one of the things I attribute to my success where there's always going to be challenges. And, and I often tell my team as executives, if there weren't challenges, we wouldn't have jobs as executives. We wouldn't be here. We're paid to make the tough decisions and make the tough choices. And if you don't approach it with a positive mindset, it's hard to do well. I mean, you're going to get caught up into a lot of bad decisions that you're going to make and not make progress. Our CEO has a lot of great attributes, but one of the the best ones I see from Sachin is when faced with adversity, I've never seen an individual that can turn it into a positive like him, where there's adverse occurrences that we've been faced with through the years, just our last couple of years at scan and just watching him turn these into positives and even market opportunities where I've had other leaders or I've seen that 
would have kind of dwelled on the negative and not have looked at it from, hey, this is a market opportunity. How can we capitalize this or what? So, but just going into not only your professional life, but your personal life, having a positive and optimistic filter on everything you do and the way you're approaching life overall, it'll make life a lot better. So definitely advice I could have used younger because it's true. I mean, some of the most difficult times in my life not only led to the most growth, but I had no idea that there was something better on the other side that may not have come if that initial thing that I initially thought was the worst thing in the world didn't happen. So it's very rewarding on the other side of it too. So Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, David. Great discussion. Appreciate it, man. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.